0: Hello and welcome to the Holy City Hoops podcast. Good to have you all with us today. We've got another great show for you this week. Joining the podcast is a former star basketball player at the college. Now he's on the sidelines calling games next to Everett German. His name is Danny Johnson. We cover a lot of different topics today. Not a lot of fat on today's episode. It's all meat. Obviously, we've got three games to get through, including two wins for the Cougars But I also love getting DJ's thoughts on players. So we talk about some of the freshmen. We spend some time on Brendan Tucker, who's having a really solid week. And then we zoom out a little bit. Hard to believe we're almost halfway through conference play. But we talk about Charleston's chances of finishing the CAA season on the right note. They're out of the play-in game right now, which is a good thing. And they have an opportunity to kind of move up the standings over these next couple of weeks. So what's it going to take to get there? We're going to discuss that with Danny on today's show. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe to the pod on the podcast listening app of your choice. Follow us on social at Holy City Hoops. Let's get into it. All right, Cougar Hoops fans, we are very excited to bring back onto the pod a CFC basketball legend, Everett German's co-host in the booth, Mr. Danny Johnson. Welcome back to the pod. Thank
1: you. I'm glad to be back.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. How you? How you living?
1: I've been pretty good, you know. Uh, getting through a, you know, a season with a new staff and a lot of turnover, so just getting used to all the adjustments and uh, getting a good feel for how the team is at this point.
0: Well, you and you and Everett are, are seasoned pros at this now. You guys are like a, a long running marriage. The chemistry you and you and E have in the booth, and uh, always appreciate listening to you. And I love your insights on the team as a as a former player and as a guy who watches them day to day. So, figure we could break down a couple couple games from the homestand this week how does it sound
1: sounds great
0: all right well let's start with William and Mary 74-73 win for the Cougs a little too close for comfort but this is the one where John Meeks hits the game winner with about a second Mm -hmm. 1.1 seconds to play Rain Smith was on fire in this game career high 25 points for him Uh, but nice game from the Cougs they did get they did let William and Mary get back into this late. I think it was a 15-point lead that William and Mary kind of charged back in on. What do you remember from this game? What were your big takeaways?
1: Yeah, it's 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 a good win for the Cougars, obviously, and especially individually for John Meeks. You know, he had an opportunity to win a game uh, right before that and just turned it over, never got a shot up. So, being the best offensive player on the team, I knew that sat on him. Uh, pretty hard. So it was good that the coach came back to him. Same play call, same design. And to have him delivered uh, as an individual, good for him. Team-wise, a little concerned. Uh, A theme you'll hear from me a lot is unforced turnovers. Uh, Turnovers can be good. There's such a thing as as good aggressive turnovers. But then there's the ones that are errant, the defense hasn't caused. And Charleston tends to get themselves in a lot of trouble by not getting shots and wasted possessions through unforced turnovers, which, you know, sometimes depletes their lead. So that's something I hope they clean up going forward.
0: Yeah, the unforced turnovers have been have been an issue, and that was really what gave William & Mary some juice to get back into the game, which is the unforced turnovers. I mean, Meeks was the hero, but he had five turnovers in this game. And then that final sequence, I mean, Meeks hits the game winner, but William & Mary runs the Christian Leitner play, gets a shot off, I don't know about you but I was clean look <laughs> grip <laughs> clean clean look mm-hmm. wide open that uh that just barely rimmed out and Cougars have been on the wrong side of these one possession games but yeah just a sigh of relief to to get this win um but I agree with you the turnovers have been a big issue but I was also happy to see John after that Delaware game where he got stripped you know, kind of come up in the clutch and mm. and make that shot. John John, we're going to talk about John a couple of times in this podcast okay. because he has been late game situations a lot this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but good to see him get this win uh, against the tribe
1: and not a and not a, and a, and a, and a good quality win. women Mary isn't as strong as they typically have been, but they're always well coached. they're always disciplined. and they just they capitalize on your mistakes. So, Whenever you do things like, like again, the unforced turnovers, they they tend to, to to really really just make the most out of them, and that's a cerebral team. That's what they do. They might not have the athletes, they might not have the individual talent, but they let you almost beat yourself. And the Cougars almost got caught in that situation, but again, luckily, uh, again, Meeks was able to come through uh, when called on.
0: What are your thoughts on this freshman class? Because we'll we'll get to Nick Ferrar. He had a big game against Hofstra. But Rain Smith, like I mentioned, twenty-five points in this one. And mm-hmm. then Ben Burnham had a really nice game against the tribe, filled the stat sheet, nine points, seven rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks, had a couple really nice end to end sequences. What do you make of these young guys?
1: I'll tell you what, you cue me up with a name and I'll run with their profile. How about that?
0: All right, we'll start with Rain Smith. Let's go with the Aussie.
1: Okay. Obviously the Aussie had a great game against William and Mary. Um, but up until this point, he's somewhat of a one trick pony. Uh, yesterday's game he showed the ability to put it on the deck a few times and make plays but that's just not who he is he's a great shooter probably one of the best standstill open shooters in the country and a lot of teams know know about it i was surprised that the tribe came off of his body what i mean by that is, is when you're a great shooter you know normally they glue to your jersey and don't care what's going on on the help side defense so he was able to get some looks i don't expect it to go like that for him all year I mean, the tape is out there, so um, he's going to have to work on his game. But he obviously having an unbelievable freshman year, and the things I'm talking about are going to be maturity things for him going forward, being able to turn himself into a dual-option player.
0: Let's go Ben Burnham next What's your scouting report on Ben. If you've heard me on the
1: broadcast, you obviously know that I love Ben Burnham. I mean, he's a plug-and-play, a blue-collar guy. You can put him on any roster in America, and I say this a lot. Any roster, in America, any staff—they all would take him, love him, because he doesn't hurt you. He's never gonna hurt you. You put him in the game, he's gonna play hard. He's gonna take charges. He's gonna attack the rim hard. He's gonna take open shots. He stays within himself. You know, really mature for a freshman. Understands his role and playing it perfectly, at least up until this point.
0: Yeah. What what position do you think is ideal for Ben? I was thinking about this the other day, because he's kind of like a big wing. We saw him at the three against UNC, and he played great. And we've seen him at the four in conference play. Do you think he has an ideal position or he's just a, just a ball player type of kid?
1: I I think you, I think it well, Number one, he's a ball player. That's the one thing that, you know, they can't measure in a combine and t- sometimes they miss. That's why the Draymond greens go overlooked and the Tristan Thompson's go overlooked, but those guys are necessary to win games. Uh, they may not be able to jump high or shoot great, or all the testing stuff, but they have that, that it factor that you just can't, you can't measure. You know, it's no measurable for It's just an intangible, but, Ben Burnham is a guy that has that and um, to your to answer your question, it depends on how he wants to develop his skill set, you know. It, it, he has to get his guard skills up a little bit as far as handling the ball and ability to get finished with both hands and get to the paint and become a more consistent shooter. But on the other hand he's comfortable down low, um, so if he's able to develop you know some hooks uh, some up and under some some close range shots he could go the other way too so. For me i feel like he could go either way if he if he if he works on both sides of the ball you know perimeter and down on the post i think you can just plug him in at whatever you're having a hole with that day and he can serve the purpose
0: yeah well let's go with the the last guy i want to get your take on the only kid on this team who came from a higher level of basketball right so coming from the acc nick ferrar nc state doesn't play much pretty out of shape i think by his own admission during his, his freshman season, but really we've seen him turn it on late and he does have a lot of skill. What's your take on Nick?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's kind of found himself these last couple games. Uh, Everett talks about the weight loss he, uh, he committed to over the summer. I believe he lost, um, I think, 30 or 40 pounds, something along those range.
0: Yeah, something and, crazy. And
1: yeah, something crazy. And so, you know, he's actually playing into his body, which is difficult as is, much less, translating into a division one basketball game but uh, he obviously has some skill he has a little moxie to him uh you can see him in the verbal exchanges when he's on the floor uh he could be intense and I love that it's a little old school to that and uh he's just kind of he's found himself in the rotation he was a guy that wasn't in it but I think with some of the front court the way it's been playing up to this point they haven't been able to get any point production there and so they went a little smaller Ferrar's not being as big as, you know, smart and Lampkin, but he can rebound, he can bang, he can do it another way. And he can also offer you an ability to score from the perimeter inside. So he's really kind of just inserted himself into the rotation and uh, hopefully he stays there and stays consistent the rest of the year.
0: I don't know if you can see this. I mean, the, the funniest thing about Nick watching him on the broadcast because the way his his shot, his jump shot is such a rainbow shot. It literally leaves the frame of the TV broadcast and then drops down <laughs> into the net. even on free throws. it's just like this catapult shot that goes straight up, but it drops through every time. it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, the funny thing about it that's the thing about shooting you know the shortest distance to a point is a straight line. So if you're able to get high arc and it's at its own point, you know it's, it's gonna look good when it goes through. A lot of guys aren't comfortable. Shooting that high of an arc, uh, Joe Dumars is a guy back in history who that another high arcing shot. But when you perfect it, you get a little bit more touch on it. Uh, it's just harder to control and understand where it's going. But he seems to be comfortable with it, and he's making it at a high enough clip. So he, again, he's a lefty, looks good. Uh, I really like the what he's brought to the brought to the Cougars. Now they have another option. They can go to small ball and still yeah. have the, the rebounding edge and on, so on and so forth. They don't lose a lot. He can switch on the pick and rolls. He has a little bit better feet than the other big guys. So he can bring a lot of value. You know, for him, it's just going to be about consistency.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's use Nick to uh, to segue into that Hofstra game because he really inserted himself big time into that game. You know, I went into that Hofstra game thinking the Cougars had a confidence boost from William & Mary. You're probably feeling pretty good. You You seal that win up late. And they just sleptwalk through the beginning of that game. Uh, Hofstra jumps out to an 11-0 lead. I think they stretched it up to, you know, 15 points or something early. Something that was interesting to me early is that Pat Kelsey did not get cute with the hockey substitutions. He basically pulled Lampton and Smart to the bench, along with Jordan Seachin and Evdokimov, and they stayed there for the rest of the game. He basically went with the lineup of Underwood, Rainsmith, Tucker, Burnham, Farrar, with maybe Raekwon Horton and John Meeks coming in. But Smart, Lampton, I mean, those guys were getting roasted early on defense. I think Hofstra was kind of stretching them out to the perimeter. And we did never see them. We never saw them again. But that that lineup, that small ball lineup, which I think you're alluding to, I thought played really well and, and kind of charged back and made it a game.
1: You know, you don't like to adjust the other team's philosophy. But you know what Hofstra's going to come with. They, 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 the names might change, but the philosophy stays the same. Those guys are guard-oriented New York style of basketball. Good ball handlers, get to the rim. A little bit better shooting than you would expect, but they they sometimes have lineups with a guy no no taller than six six seven on the floor. And I think yeah. early in that game, the pick and roll gave the bigs trouble. They had trouble getting out and helping, and and they were drawing fouls and you know ticking on those team fouls. It just it hurt you later on in the half. They spent a lot of time in the penalty, which is a problem, but. You know, I think the staff just saw that it was just a matchup problem. And, you know, credit to them. They went with a guy that didn't play a lot, hasn't played a lot with, just not for Robert Horton, as you mentioned as well. Both guys came in and you could tell the matchup evened out. Like those guys could switch out. They could guard perimeter guys for a few possessions. You could see the game change more to Charleston's favor. And, you know, you saw Horton just – Gain his confidence again he played yeah well the next day Ferrar gained his confidence played well the next game so you know maybe they found some gold with those two guys because they're gonna see these small ball lineups the ceaa is like that uh bigs aren't the primary with most teams so those guys are gonna have to continue their their good play
0: yeah horton had a really good game in this one and he is a guy if you're gonna have four guards on the court he can neutralize some of them right i mean even if you right. have him playing the four um, but yeah, he had 12 points in this one. Hit a couple threes, which has been kind of iffy for him to this point. Even had he had a putback slam in this one where he got an mm-hmm. all ripped away an offensive rebound and slammed it from a couple feet out, which I didn't even know he was capable of. But yeah, mm-hmm. you definitely saw the the confidence growing with Horton. Um, Brandon Tucker played really well in this game again. I think it's a a matchup that suits him. There's no one really protecting the rim, and he could he could drive and he could you know shoot his threes. But I think you leave this game feeling really good about Nick Farrar. He definitely was a, a spark for the team and they needed it because Rain Smith and John Meeks were not super effective. So rain, rain can be hot, rain can be cold. And this game against Hofstra, he was ice cold, uh, 32 minutes, one for 10 from the field 0 for eight from three Meeks over six from the three point line. What, what, what's your take on this? I mean, you're uh you're an ex player, how do you work through that sort of inconsistency like Rain is, is going through this season?
1: I think you're going to see it with Rain. I mean, again, until he's able to, to work in uh, a pull up mid range jumper and a, and a floater or something around the rim, he's going to have some problems with certain defenders getting that three pointer off. I mean, he's quick, but again, uh, the tape is out there on you. You know, they're scouting what you do. And they, if they take it away from you, like, again, they're going to be in a shirt. So I expect to see a little up and down with him. Meeks, on the other hand, you know he's more of a you know, veteran guy. Um, he should be more consistent. I, I'm sure he would tell you the same thing. He was on this broadcast. He he prepares himself like a professional, so uh, he doesn't shy away from the things he doesn't do well. He he, he addresses them right away, which you gotta love that. Uh, there's a guy you brought up, and you know I know he might not be a big part of this podcast, but I do want to introduce him, and that is Brendan Tucker. Uh, yeah. Before. I have been critical of him in the past. There's been so no secret yeah. about that, and uh, and uh, and I and I, I meant everything that I said. Now, you know, it's never personal for me because if you wear a cougar uniform, obviously your fraternity to me. I want you to do the best, but he just had two years of just not just basketball, but you know, as a person struggling, and this year, not only hasn't him found himself on the basketball court, but he's found himself as a young man, and that's probably one of the biggest best turnarounds of a career that i maybe have ever seen at the college of charleston so i just want to highlight that point i couldn't be any prouder of that young man he's been a great he's probably been the most consistent player for cougar cougars this season so you know he obviously is super explosive you're right he's the one guy that can beat almost everybody off the dribble and now he's introduced that three-point shot and he's just become a really big weapon for charleston
0: i agree i was. I was waiting to celebrate Brandon Tucker because I thought his three-point shooting was going to drop <laughs> off. Like, right? he started the season scorching hot. I-, I forget what he was shooting, but it was something absurd, like 60% 60%, from three. yes, exactly. Yeah, right. over, like, the first three games. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I mean, this is a dude who shot, like, 20% his first two years. I think, you know, he's going to come back down to earth, but he hasn't. He's He's kept it up. And, yeah, he is a knockdown shooter now. And I think that's maybe even open some stuff up for those drives. Now I heard you and Everett on the broadcast and I have the same thing. I want to see Brendan Tucker dunk on somebody's face. You know, <laughs> We are, we are waiting for that. I see the dunks and warmups. B-Tuck, we need you to, uh, to put somebody on a poster.
1: Well, I'm glad you heard that because then you heard me say it to his face, how proud I was of him. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of things we say over there, get back to the player. So I'm sure he wasn't happy about it, but I think he understood that I'm always behind him, going to be behind him. He, And, you know, he wears the name. He, he's part of the program. So it's never because I, I don't believe in you. It's just because I want you to be better. And you could feel that from him sitting with us yesterday. And it was just refreshing. You know, I got to tell him personally how much I appreciate it and one got to watch him grow up and mature, and it's been fun. And he was smiling and something we've never yeah. seen from him over two years. So, you know, if you feel good, you tend to play good. And I think that's what happened with Brendan this year.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy things have worked out for Brendan through a coaching change, the mm-hmm. whole new system, whole new team. He's been, mm-hmm. you know, steady Eddie, like you said. Um, and I, I was hoping that would be the case. Cause we always saw the flashes and we, we had a podcast where we were pretty c- critical of Brendan Tucker. And it was mm-hmm. right before that 35 point game he had against Trexel. I was like, Oh, well he definitely showed us right. <laughs> like, Mm-hmm. He was just so much better finishing in that game and he was hitting his, his threes. Um, but even even after that game, he had a couple games where he kind of seemed to get down on himself a little bit. He used to have like this weird kind of hesitation when he would finish at the rim where he kind of like bring the ball back in a little bit and he'd, he'd get blocked. And he just seems a lot more decisive now, a lot more confident. And he's like the sixth man of the team. I don't, I don't know where he ranks on the team in scoring, but when he checks in, he's an offensive burst
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, he was riding the emotional highs highs and lows of how he felt. And the one thing you had to understand as a basketball player, you have to compartmentalize certain things. The way you feel in life, you can't carry that to your job or you try not to carry that to your job. And he was guilty of doing that. You know, he played according to how he he felt. And I think this year he he found, you know, I'm a basketball player. And so I play basketball. That's what I'm engaged at for this next 40 minutes. And I'm going to enjoy that and I'm going to have fun and I'm going to play hard. And ever since he's adopted that personality, we, his game has just taken off. And so, you know, I'm just excited for him. I think he's going to continue to get better. And I think even, you know, going into next year, he's even going to be more of an impact player, impactful player yeah. on this team. So I'm just happy for the kid all the way around.
0: Yeah, yeah. Happy for B-Tuck. Uh, well, let's talk about a kid who is also very talented, and that is Aaron Estrada from Hofstra. This is a dude who uh. leads the CAA <laughs> in scoring and proved it against the number two scorer in the league, John Meeks, especially down the stretch. Estrada was giving me like Justin Wright Foreman PTSD, right? Like every (laughs) talented Hofstra player, Hofstra guard ever come through the last couple of years. What'd you think of his game?
1: Well, I'm familiar with Speedy Claxton. We've played against each other. So him taking over the realm at Hofstra, kind of let you know what was coming. They're always going to come with a lead guard that's going to look to try to go for 30 every night. That's just what they do. Similar to Bobby the same kind of coaching staff. Yeah. So you knew they were going to bring a guard in. We knew what he could do. Transfer from Oregon. He's a power five talent. So you know he was capable. And, you know, against the Cougars, he just got comfortable. And it's about the maturity levels. You know, uh, Underwood has been a great point guard for us this year. But I didn't even realize this to a few games back. Uh, But one of the staff members told me, He's been a power forward his entire career up until this year now. He's a point guard. And it's like that's the hardest position in sports besides being a quarterback for a football team. I mean, so much falls to you as as a point guard in basketball. So considering those those factors, he's done an unbelievable job. Now, because he hasn't played the position, I think with Estrada, one of the things he, he needs to learn is when a guy like that gives the ball up and he's feeling that way, you deny him and don't let it get him get it back because a guy can't do anything if he can't get the ball. And that's just the thing that he'll learn. And I'm sure the coaches are talking about like, Hey, if you get him to give it up and he's on fire, do what you can to just keep him from getting it back and and force somebody else to make plays. Uh, Unfortunately for Charleston, they let him get comfort, comfortable. Uh, His three was going, his pull-up game was going. And, you know, now you have to extend your defense. It's shifty. He can get to the rim and score. So, Once he got in that comfort zone, he became uh, very difficult
0: to stop. He was tough down the stretch, but Charleston did have an opportunity to win this game. Cougars get the ball, down one, call a timeout with 13 seconds to play, 12, 13 seconds, something like that. They give Meeks Mm -hmm. the ball in the same spot he got it against Delaware, in the same spot he got it against William & Mary. He gets fouled, and he misses both free throws. Mm -hmm. Hofstra goes down, makes a couple free throws. Cougars have a chance to tie the game with a three at the buzzer. Meeks takes that shot, misses, game over. I was wondering if we should question the strategy of John Meeks is our guy, we're going to him no matter what, line of thinking that, that Pat Kelsey has talked about. But what did you think of the, uh, the kind of late-game execution there?
1: I mean, everybody's going to focus in on the last couple plays of the game. I mean, it's only natural. It's, it's, it's where our emotions ride for all of us you know, even me as a basketball player. But the one thing playing as long as I did that I know is that you don't lose a game and um, miss free throws or or something at the end of the game. There's 40 or 50 plays within a game that if you take care of your business, you won't even be in that situation at the end of the game. Yeah. So while it may be a problem to watch and, and the Cougars being in these close games, honestly, I really feel like if they clean up these this, Especially the unforced turnovers, I cannot highlight that enough. We're talking about an opportunity for an additional minimum of twelve points or more a game, and and when you cut that out, being a you know middle of the road offensive team, it's a big blow to who you are, you know, as as, as a unit. So, you know, I know that's going to be the focus. And John Mix is the most consistent offensive guy. I believe he'll try to make the right play more times than not. Uh, I can't second guess what the coaches call Uh, it's worked before it's not worked before you have to be comfortable being both. That's just what comes with the job. Um, But, you know, I know he's a guy that prepares for those moments. And, you know, we, we get to watch him. He's a public figure. So we get to watch him succeed and we always get to watch him fail. But whenever I get to talk to him after the game or see him, you know, I'm always behind him, you know, like coach Kelsey says, you know, I'm going with you every day of the week, including Sundays, you know, so, You know, I think that's how everybody feels. Uh, He necessarily doesn't have to take the last shot, but you know when you get in his hands, he's pretty good at making the right play. So I'm not going to second guess that. I'm not at practice every day. They see the reps. They know who to go to. So I I tend to stay out of that. I tend to focus on the plays they left on the floor during the other, you know, 39 and a half minutes of the game.
0: Yeah, per- perhaps if you don't fall down 11 nothing in the first five minutes, <laughs> you, yeah, you have more, you more of a chance at the end of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this game, this Hofstra game, was kind of indicative of, of that unforced turnover trend. Up until the Northeastern game, the Cougars did not have a positive assist-to-turnover ratio as a team all through conference play, not until that Northeastern game on Saturday. Every single CAA game to that point, including Hofstra, they had more turnovers than assists. I think the the final tally was something like 83 assists to 113 or 115 turnovers, which, yeah, like you mentioned, just so many possessions where you don't even have an opportunity to score. It, you're just handing it over to the other team, and that's something that's really bugged the the Cougars to this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you hit it on the head. Um, I don't. I'm, you've heard me before. I'm, I'm a stack guy, but I don't lean on those for everything. A lot of things are unsaid in the basketball game, but you know we always win the rebounding edge. We we yep. we, we usually win the turnover edge. Usually, uh, we we we're getting to where we're making our free throws consistently. So the things that we can take care of, we've been pretty good about. You know, even just being a, a middle of the road talented team, but you know. When you just make those John Meeks having five and six turnovers, Underwood yeah. having five and six turnovers, Rain having five and six turnovers, they can't have games like that. Like I expect Meeks to have, you know, two or three. You're gonna have that. When you have the ball a lot, you know, you're making plays, everything's not gonna work out. But I think he would agree you can't get up into five and six and seven turnovers individually and nor can your your league point guard in Underwood. And they've had games like that and you just Over there, you shake your head because it's like football. You know, you can't win a football game if you turn it over, right? And basketball is no different in that regard. If you turn it over too much without getting opportunity, it's going to be hard to win games.
0: And I think that's what made the Northeastern game so satisfying. I think it was the most satisfying conference win of the season. Cougars win it 81-63. to Not only is it their largest margin of victory in the CAA this year, there's no blown lead they got the turnovers under control. They got their first game with uh, more assists than turnovers. Maybe they fouled too much in this one. I think they put mm-hmm. Northeastern in the bonus pretty early, but did the things they've always done, like scoring in the paint, rebounding, but they also cleaned up the turnovers, cleaned up free throw shooting, and look at that. It's a 20-point win.
1: Yeah, I think it's not hard. You know, Everett at the end of the post game last night was like, it's not rocket science. It's
0: not. If
1: you play the right way consistently – you're going to have a lot of success and if you don't take care of those little things they come back to bite you and it was it was fun i know we are probably segueing into the northeastern game but it's satisfying when you have that going on because you know those guys play for each other they share the ball so now it's just about being more efficient not being sloppy and lazy and just maintaining focus throughout the whole game unforced turnovers are about not being focused simply point blank and so you just have to keep your your focus hat on. They're not that good of a team where they can get away with that kind of stuff. So they have to be locked in for forty minutes. And hopefully, the northeastern game is a step in that direction. Just being locked in, they're winning every statistical category they need to. That's the only one that's giving them trouble, and and they had them in these close games they shouldn't be in.
0: Yeah, it seemed like this was kind of the template for how this team can play. They had you know even scoring across the board. I think they had four different players in double figures. Mm-hmm. Another good game from Burnham and Farrar off the bench, or Burnham in the starting lineup, Ferrar off the bench. Mm-hmm. Meeks had a good bounce-back game. I know, I, I watched his post-game press conference, and he was talking about getting over the Hofstra game, and it sounded like it, it really was weighing heavily on him. I mean, he was really kicking himself for missing those free throws. And Pat Kelsey, I think, told you in Everett after the game that he checked in with his staff before the game started, and they were like, Meeks is ready to go. Meeks is you know, ready to, to put in a good game. And he not only was the, the best scorer for the Cougars in this game, he closed the, the game out. Like he scored mm-hmm. on that and one. He got, uh, I think, a technical free throw for, for a flagrant, hit another three late and really just shut the door on Northeastern. It was such a relief to not see <laughs> that that comeback and not get the cardiac Cougars that we've seen so many times. Was it just a case of making shots or was did you see something else that kind of helped the Cougars? escape with a, a big win instead of like a, you know, a, a late charge back from the opponent.
1: I saw their defense improve. Um, you know, a lot of times you're going to notice the the scoring, but if you remember, they were predicated off turnovers that they created. And so, you know, the defense and they were in a penalty for a long time, another kind of unsaid thing that, that has plagued the Cougars this year too, but they were able to play without fouling, get the turnovers, and a lot of these shots they got were, were, weren't within the offense. It was more of a get turnovers, opportunistic basketball. And they were able to get to the rim, you know, make some plays, get free throws, and just close the deal. And that's something they haven't done. And you're right. It's great to see him still have that confidence. John is going to be a pro after college. To what level, we'll see. But he prepares like a pro. You mentioned him in the post game; He's willing to accept that responsibility that's the sign of a great player. They don't run away from those type of things. They know they're going to be the one on the hot seat. They don't want their teammates to deal with that. They take that on themselves. So I'm really proud of how John has done that and as a leader in that way. Don't always show in the wins and losses, but let me tell you something, in that locker room, when those guys know that he's taking that pressure off of them, it just helps the unit overall the way they feel playing as a unit.
0: He took responsibility – he cleaned up his own turnovers, him and Underwood combined for just three turnovers in this game, which was huge. Big, big reason why they, yeah. Big reason why they won the game. Like I said, just really, really satisfying. Weird to see a, a Bill Cohen Northeastern team struggle like they did. Um, I don't know if he grows Yugoslavian point guards on a tree or something. Niccolo Jogo (laughs) is like the, the the heir apparent to Vasa Pusica. I don't know where he (laughs) finds these kids, but uh but Bes- outside of that guy and, you know, Doherty, who is a beast on the boards, kind of strange to see a Bill Cohen team struggle like this to 0-10. To um, they're going to beat somebody to get their first win, and, you know, it's going to stink for that team. So I was just happy to see the Cougars, again, take care of business, put this team away late.
1: Yeah, Northeastern's not an easy win. Um, they're probably one of the better, you know, teams in Division One that hasn't won a conference game. They're not a, they're not a just steam over kind of team. They're never going to be that under Cohen, never. And yeah, now they're limited with talent. They've lost a lot of guys, and they're trying to find themselves. Their lead guy is Telford, and he's limited. So you know, if that's your main guy, but he he can go up and down, and he can be inconsistent. It's a little difficult to build a, a program behind that. So, but make no mistake about it, uh, Northeastern will be back in it real soon. Uh, don't be surprised if they get a win or two here. Maybe hit some momentum going to the tournament. That shouldn't shock yeah. you either we've seen it so i i don't count them out ever and that's not that's not an easy win uh some people will look at it that way but i've been around the CAA. Uh, i've seen the way these teams pair up you know it's almost very little difference between number one and the last place team so yep. every game is going to be a fight and uh, for a fan that's a good thing you want to see good clean competitive games every night and you get that in the caa so yeah the northeastern win is a bigger win than some people may uh they feel
0: yeah i agree so we're almost at the halfway point the cougars are going to be on the road a a lot more the second half of the season because of postponements and the way the schedule worked out but looking at this team thinking about the issues they need to clean up you know the turnovers uh, the defense how do you go about doing that because it's not like a player is walking through the pure point guards walking through the door anytime soon right does does everybody just need to be a little bit more locked in, a little bit sharper? Do you work on it in practice? What's, what's the approach if you're Pat Kelsey here?
1: Yeah, it's just about concentration. I mean, they've been able to do it at the free throw line, right? I mean, they've been able yeah. to turn that around, and that's just concentration. So I think just a focus on guys, you know, just, you know, I've been fortunate to play for two Hall of Fame college coaches in my career, and The one thing they'll do is they'll hold the ball in the middle of the huddle and go, guys, this is the most important thing in a basketball game this ball. without it. We can do nothing. So once you get it you take care of it and and you massage it, you treat it right. And it'll treat you back. (laughs) Right. Right? So it's almost a relationship with it. And so that's what they have to get to. They have to get to the point where, you know, a possession is important. Each one is important. They play a big part in the outcomes of the game. So don't be lazy with your swing across the perimeter. Don't, don't throw it up into the tenth row, you know. Just, just things like that, and 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 they can do that because they've shown the propensity to do it in other parts of their game. So I know it's possible. And the great part about it is, think about how good this team would be if they did do that. Let's just say they continue to re- win the seen rebounds stretches of it, dividend. right? You just imagine if they if they do all those things in in succession. I actually believe they're probably the best team. In the, in the in the CAA, and, and they're not the most talented individually, so they have the ability to do that. And going into like you said, the last half of the season, uh, I'm really excited because they've been able to turn around other parts. And I know Kelsey; he's a worker, he's he's an energy guy. So I know they're going to be. He's going to be in their face. He's going to demand a little bit more. And it seems like the guys have responded well to that. Even after losses, they tended to come back and play better the next game. So hopefully that trend continues.
0: Well, I like, I like the, uh, the enthusiasm here. I I agree. You know, at first I thought it was a, you know, a tempo thing. We've seen other teams try to up their pace and get sloppy with turnovers and hacking guys and stuff, but it is encouraging that the Cougars have been able to change up different parts of their game and improve in certain areas. Becoming one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country is pretty outstanding so I love that development, but uh, Danny, man, I've kept you entirely too long on a Sunday afternoon. I appreciate you coming through. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna leave it with uh, with your enthusiastic words, but thanks again for, for coming on the pod. Always appreciate uh, your time.
1: Not a problem, always talking with you.
0: All right, bud.